Hello and welcome to Her Moment in History, the second episode. Yeah, I'm Grace Cooper. I'm Michelle Castle. Uh, and this week we, because uh, we came up with a theme, um, we thought yes. we'd do a theme so we kind of uh, didn't have the broad scope of every single mm-hmm. woman in history to look at. So we were doing queer women yes. this week. I hope so, because that's what I've researched. Same. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You going to go first? So I went first last time. Okay. Yeah, so you're going to go first this time. Okay. okay. So who is your woman from history? She is Edith Craig. Right. Which she was a prolific theatre director, producer, costume designer, and early pioneer of the women's suffrage movement. Ooh, <laughs> I like the sound of this. I know. Um, she's the daughter of um, actress Ellen Terry, mm-hmm. who was very big at the time, like 1800s. Oh, wow. Mm. And um, she had a very famous family, actually. So her dad, I think, was a architect designer who was Edward William Godwin. But I just think of... I want to believe that he's descended from... Ma- you know, Mary Shelley's original yes. was Godwin. Yeah. So I want to believe that. So I'm going to. But there's somehow a link... Yep. Were they even around the same time? Like, I'm sure there's a hundred years difference. I mean, she... for an ancestral <laughs> link. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she had a brother, probably. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. And then the, she was the sister of theatre practitioner Edward Gordon Craig. Wow, so kept it in the family. Yes, Beautiful. but also, I think it's the brother who... He had a child that I can't remember the name of, but it was... Going well. Um, nope. Right, yeah, so he had a child that... The brother had a child. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and there is significance. Because... <laughs> um, oh, right, yeah, it was... No, it was Alan Gordon mm-hmm. who he had. And she died, um, like, when she was one, I think. And then they had another child the same year that she died, which oh. they then called... Ellen Gordon. Ellen? Yeah. Alright. As in, like, the same name as the one that had died. Which, that happened to Picasso, too. Which... Really? What, he, he had a... Yeah, his brother was, I'm sure he was, like, four when he died. And then... So they changed his name? No, um, he was born after the brother oh, died, okay. so they just called him the same name. But obviously he grew up where his parents were mourning the loss of this other Pablo Picasso with little pictures of him everywhere. So it's kind of a theory that he so, like, wants the attention and eccentric and stuff because of that, because he had to fight for his own identity away from his dead brother, which is very weird. Weird choice to name... I know. Like, I don't know, Aquarium also, like, erases the first child. Yeah, or like replaces them. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Fair enough, yep. Um, so she, so her and her brother were illegitimate. So like her, re, her last name wasn't technically Craig. So, okay, so like, they, yeah. they give them that name to stop like the bad stigma of them being illegitimate. That makes sense. Um, yes. And then she... When she originally wanted to be a pianist, mm-hmm. and she studied in Berlin for a while. Um, Where was she born? 
Oh, England. I forgot England. about that. <laughs> yes. She, but she had arthritis, I think. In? Her hands. Ooh. Or rheumatism. Ooh. I read two ways. One said rheumatism, one said arthritis. So. Okay. Both very painful. Yeah, so that stopped her from... To be a pianist, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she went into the theatre, like her mother. But also, with, she had a teacher who is, was called Elizabeth Mallison, who I looked into, and she's very interesting. She was an English educationalist, suffragist, and activist for women's education and rural nursing. <laughs> it's like, mm. so I'm sure there's like influences from her. Yeah, I imagine so. Yes. Um, so then Craig joined the Lyceum Theatre, mm-hmm. where her mother worked. Is that here in the UK? I think so. She was a costume designer and actress. But then they t- she toured America for a while in 1895 and 1907. Oh. And her stage name was... Uh, I'm not sure it's Ailsa? Alisa? Uh, Something like that. Craig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she had to change it because someone else had a similar name. Really? Another actress. It's so hard to pronounce and someone else had it too. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot easier when you know how it's pronounced properly. <laughs> How's it spelled? A I L S A. A I what? A? I L S A. Oh, yeah, I don't. Ailsa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was noted for, ex- for expertise in historically accurate costumes, which gave her, like, she gained a lot of recognition for that. Wicked. Um, so her brother also was in the theatre this time and he appeared with Henry Irving, who was a famous actor of the time, and she joined him. And they were in a play called The Bells in 1895. Never heard of it. Me either. <laughs> um, I thought it was like before... In terms of my acting, this is like before yes. my scope of knowledge... Mm-hmm. I don't know much about, like, theatre history. Uh, so, <laughs> she, the George Bernard Shaw yes. was a family friend of the Craigs, mm-hmm. and he wrote a lot of roles that were specifically for her. Aww. So there's one of his plays called Candida. Candida? Okay. I'm going to go as Candida. Um, and it's believed that the role of Prozzi... Was, cre- was created for, for Craig, who she, she played the role. Um, and she, she pl- uh, acted in plays by Ibsen, Henry Ibsen. Oh, wow. And um, toured with Mrs. Brown Potter. Who, Mrs. Brown Potter is. She's another interesting person who I think could have an episode of the pod. <laughs> um, she, yeah, an independent theatre. That's nice. Irving... Uh, employed her to make costumes for his mm-hmm. production of Robespierre, which led her to go into a business mm-hmm. as a dressmaker, mm-hmm. which is called Edith and Edith Craig and Co., which was in Covent Garden until 1903. Wow! I know. Aww. I know, I like, feel so proud. I wonder what's that like, because I assume all the buildings in Covent Garden are still the, the skeleton, especially yeah. what used to be there. So I imagine that what used to be, is it Edith? Edith Craig, yeah. Craig and Co. 
it's still a building, but they just call it something yeah. different. Yeah. I hope it has a blue plaque. Yeah. If not, I'm gonna contact. Like, you go to the <laughs> Pacific. Go make your own blue plaque. I'm like, right, I'm sticking this on this building. And stick it. Don't know if it's the right one. <laughs> just pick a nice one that looks really pretty. Yeah. Right. She was here. I can sense it. Yeah. <laughs> the spirit is contacting me. So in 1899, her mother purchased an old farm at Small Heath, 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 Small Heath. Um, which had three houses. This is significant. And <laughs> um, I just want to know about his farm. It sounds oh, like she and she invited Edith to live in one of the houses, mm-hmm. the priest's house specifically, which was is a, that bit important? No. Okay. <laughs> it was about a hundred yards up the hill. Okay. Um, which she shared with her female friends, also her lovers. Um, Claire, uh, it quotes Tony Atwood, who was an artist, and then Chris St. John, who was a writer. So she was sharing with Tony and Claire. No, Tony and Chris. Yes. Okay. And they were, they were in a menage a trois relationship. Um, and then there's some... Stuff like they don't know whether she was a lesbian or bisexual, but mm. I don't think that matters. I mean, it, 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 yeah, not the time I can't imagine it was just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the identity of it wasn't a thing, then. no. I don't think the actual like term bisexuality was coined until no, quite late in the 20th century. But Disappointing, that <laughs> might just be a complete guess. <laughs> um. So, all three women were active in the suffrage movement, Mm -hmm. and they had a lot of other people who came to their home a lot to talk about stuff, Mm -hmm. and they were part of a literary community. Oh, (coughs) I had a book club. Mm -hmm. That included Virginia Woolf. (gasps) Wicked. And Vita Sackcliffe West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says, I'm quoting, controversial lesbian author Radcliffe Hall. I've never... Radcliffe's such a weird name. Yeah, I only associate it with the place. Or Daniel. Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. And the picture of Daniel's face on a cliff. Have you not oh, seen it? It's no. like uh, Daniel Radcliffe. And it's like Daniel Radcliffe's face. Oh my god. Photoshopped on a cliff and he's like really excited. <laughs> and then the one says, like, Daniel not Radcliffe, it's just a normal cliff. Nice. Yeah. Oh my god. We're amazing sometimes. Oh, and then in 1903. Mm-hmm. She she was proposed to by the composer Martin Shaw, um, but she and she did accept, but the marriage was prevented by her mother out of jealousy for a daughter's affection. Wait. And also, <laughs> I know it's very weird. And then also by Christabel Marshall, who was who wrote under the pseudonym Christopher St John, who she lives with. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and they lived together. Oh, wait, it says they lived from 1899 until they were joined. Oh, right. Joined by someone else. Never mind. They were joined by... Oh, just, what, like, medically? They were just I was just like, together. don't think they did, like, what is... So, it's not civil... Is it civil ceremony? Yeah. I, don't, I, don't I doubt that was a thing. <laughs> Maybe. In 18, 1916. Don't look it up. I mean, it was, it, it's in, it's talking about like, she was joined by Claire Tony Atwood. Okay. That's what, and then they, 
lived together until when she died in 1947. Wow, a long time. And her family were not approving of her lifestyle. And her... Can't imagine why. (laughs) And her brother said that Edith's sexuality was a result of her hatred of men initiated by a hatred of her father. (laughs) I feel feel like that kind of... um... (laughs) scapegoat reason almost mm. uh, is like used now no. as well a lot of people will say like no it's because daddy issues yes um, so when her mother left the Lyceum Theatre mm. she went into management that's a shift I think it's like theatre management oh, right. but it doesn't um, which Craig joined her for mm. Edith Craig <laughs> and she then became like she started doing play productions and then that became like her main occupation was like producing oh like behind the scenes I yeah. got a lot of like people actors and things when they don't want to act anymore and just become like producers mm. I mean because I've noticed a lot throughout her mother was a very key figure in her life mm-hmm. She seemed to like, um, obviously that got her into it, and mm. then when she left, she just followed her, and... Yeah, and then she lived, lived yeah. very close to her mother. So her mother must have been in some way accepting of her lifestyle, because she can't be that naive to not know. You, you might be surprised. I know, or maybe because she did have a lot of affairs in her life, Ellen Terry did. The... Her mother. Mother. Um, so maybe she was open-minded. Who knew? Just Who knows? <laughs> whatever, yeah. Oh, okay. Women? Fine. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And then she she founded the Pioneer Players, from which was from 1911 to 1925, mm-hmm. which is a theatre society based in London, mm-hmm. which they, they were known for producing formerly banned plays, <gasps> plays on social humanism, women's suffrage, Ooh. and feminism, and foreign plays in English. Well, we're gonna have to shut those down. I know. <laughs> um, Are they still like? Uh, they would have been, I assume, written down as. Yeah, I think. Are they accessible anywhere? Um, I have no idea. I feel like I'm gonna have to there is one that I'm gonna talk about in a bit. Okay. That um, is interesting. I usually wait. Mm. <laughs> um, she was. Her mother was the president of the society. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the director and stage director. Her partner was the secretary, and all very close knit. No, and the advise- advisory committee was included George Bernard Shaw, and the president Gabrielle Enthoven. Which the way they say the president is, I don't. I just assume the wrong president kind of thing. Not like the American president, but like. Mr. President of the company. <laughs> I'm just like thinking the President of France because they sound French. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, the Pioneer Place is described as a women's theatre company, mm-hmm. which increases women, increased women's opportunities in theatre. Mm-hmm. And Craig produced about 150 plays while she was there. Whoa. Um, which is very nice. 
Oh my god. I know. Uh, But it did close in 1925, when then she moved on to produce some plays for the Little Theatre Movement. Which it was through in like York and Leeds and Letchworth and Hampstead. Okay. Which is where, because I've done some work in the archives mm-hmm. about her, and this is where my, this is what oh, I was looking at. Yeah. Because we were doing for a exhibition of women in York, mm-hmm. so she was briefly in York, and um, she, um was oh <laughs> you thought, yeah. um she was the mystery plays in york were a big thing in the 50s i think the mystery plays yes what i i don't really know but the way that they were presented in the archives were like it was a big thing okay um so she was considered to be like the start like what she did then influenced that mm-hmm. um, and she did like her performances were very good her productions were very good and stuff and she was like part of the British Drama League which was, was formed to promote amateur theatre mm-hmm. and she was the judge of some of these things which I found a document about um, oh, wow. some things she judged yeah um, which is really interesting. Was this at uh, the York Theatre Royal? Or was it at the... I forget the name of the other one. To the Opera? Oh, the Opera House. House. I think it was another one Ooh. that is no longer here that I do not remember the name of. Oh, that's sad. No, and the <clears throat> the Drama League was there to encourage lasting peace after World War One. Oh, I know. That didn't work, did it? No. <laughs> I always find when they're like, we, we tried to do this to, to make sure that, you know, morale was high and that <laughs> we tried to recover after the First World War and just in the back of my mind all the time, I'm like, mm-hmm. Honey, you've got a big storm coming. <laughs> um, so then in 1929, mm-hmm. her mother died, which is a very sad time yeah. for her, I'm sure. And so she converted the Elizabethan bar, barn adjacent to her Terry's Ellen Terry's house mm-hmm. at the small Heath place barn yeah, yeah. into a theatre which she named the Barn Theatre and here she produced Shakespeare plays every year to commemorate the anniversary of her mother's death mm. Mm. it might have been happier to do her mother's like on her birthday but yeah. I guess death is, is also you know a notable date mm-hmm. she also was in some silent films of course yeah because i like them yeah <laughs> um even not she didn't think she did anything too notable there's one film called fires of fate which i've never heard of from 1923 um and then she became involved in suffrage mm-hmm. movements which i read something and they said that sh- she didn't fully understand the suffrage movement but she was just like very eagerly into it, which mm-hmm. I don't think is... You can never know that, but that seems like a thing you can't say. Yeah, like a, a broad statement. Yeah. So she was, like, into... The, she, she got really into it in 1923. Oh, I'm not sure when. Don't, oh, there's okay. no date, it's just how my notes are. Fair enough. 
1923 seems quite late to... Well, that was when she did a silent film. Ah, I see. I got them mixed up. But, yeah, it was a bit out of order. Oh, well. <laughs> um, and she started doing that after she met a woman selling newspapers for the women's freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she became a member and worked at the branch for the group. Um, she stated... Stating that she grew up quite firmly certain that no self-respected woman could be other than a suffragist. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, yeah, Mm. go for it. Um, And she used her theatrical experience and she was involved in various suffrage productions. I'm guessing it was before because... Yeah, this is all for the fight for women's um, mm-hmm. like liberation. Well, n- not but like uh, the vote, and that would have been it's before. Yeah, the one of the plays that I can talk about that she did. Uh, so she directed one called A Pageant of Great Women, which Sounds she like a great name. <laughs> she she was she devised with the writer and actor Cicely Hamilton, mm-hmm. and it was performed across the UK to large audiences, um, which is nice. But then <laughs> her other play, which I think is much more interesting, oh, okay. is called, I think it's called A Pageant, but I was struggling to find enough evidence of this mm-hmm. <coughs> to find it specifically. But it followed the concept of a morality play, Ooh. which the, the, so the main character is called Woman, Okay. Um, and then she's confronted by the antagonist, Prejudice, okay. <laughs> who believes that men and women are not equal. Mm-hmm. And then the character, Justice, provides, <laughs> presides over the debate between Prejudice and Woman as groups of great women process on stage as evidence of women's achievements in art, government, education, spiritual matters and battles. Okay. <laughs> I... I'm on board, I like it. Yeah. I mean, for the time, it's great. Yeah. I mean, even like, I feel that's like a thing now that people do. If you know what I mean, yeah. the idea that in order to prove that women mm-hmm. can do this, it's like, here's an example of great women. Mm-hmm. And she obviously made sure that the costumes were historically accurate. Of course. And um, she often played the role of Rosa Bonheur, a lesbian artist. In it, oh. so that's nice. Um, and then during her later life, she had many arguments with her brother mm-hmm. because she was publishing books about her mother regarding oh. George Bernard Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. Because I think they might have had an affair or some, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and he didn't want that kind of information going out to the public, but she was so she published her works. Mm-hmm. So he wrote responding books saying that didn't happen and so she wrote responding books to that and it was like a whole thing but then like they eventually like made up before she died okay that's kind of nice can you imagine having to like have all those books on your shelf and having to organize them in terms of (laughs) that one's first and then that one's that and then then, having to come across and just be like no no, you can't organize it by author because they're in response to one another exactly (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's like if you read one and then you read the other and they're completely just 
denying each other. Yeah. Can you imagine starting at like book number 12 or something like that? Just been like, as regards to book number four, and you're like, I haven't read book number four. Um, and it also says she adopted Ruby Shelter Grey, which... I assume is a name of a child. I'm assuming that too. But then there's... I couldn't find any more information about that, so... It's very limited on yeah. women at this time. It's so sad. <laughs> um, and then also on the death of her mother, mm-hmm. because she was trying to preserve her mother's legacy with the farm, mm-hmm. she opened it up to the public. Oh, cool. Um, and then from 1939, she was supported by the National Trust in running it. Oh, wow. And on her death, she left it to the National Trust. Is it still there? I'm guessing it must be. I Whoa. didn't check. It's in Kent. In Kent? What's it called? The Small Heath Farm? Yes. H-Y-T-H. E. The Heath. <laughs> I can't find it. H Y T H E. Oh, I thought Heath was spelled differently. I don't know if it's pronounced Heath. Could be Heath. It might not be. Oh, it is. Yeah. Small Heath Place. Ooh. If that is how it's pronounced. Uh, yeah. you, you'd hope so if she left it to them. I know. Sometimes I, sometimes I don't trust that. No. Sort of yeah. Do you know um, Beatrice Potter helped create the National Trust? I feel like I've briefly read that somewhere, but I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, because she bought a lot of the Lake District, I think, yes. and she gave a lot of the stuff to the National Trust, cool. because she stopped them building all over it, all the oh. nice scenery and yes. stuff. And it's still like protected land, isn't it, mm-hmm. by the National Trust? Yeah. Which is good, because otherwise, I imagine it wouldn't be there still. I know. Oh, women are so great. <laughs> um, and when she did die, Edith Craig, um, she died of a coronary thrombosis and chron- chronic myocarditis. Now, on my limited knowledge of what that means, I'm getting heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of cardio yes. mentioned in that, so I'd assume. Um, mm-hmm. and that was on the 27th of March, 1947, at Priest's House in Small Heath Place. Oh. And she, it was while planning the Shakespeare Festival in honour of her mother. Um, and then her body was cremated, which is significant. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell me why. Because, um, so the two women she lived with, mm-hmm. um, they're buried alongside each other at St. John the Baptist Church in Small Heath Heath. Yes. But, um, and Craig's ashes were meant to be there, but um, someone lost them. They lost them? <laughs> yes. They, they says the ashes got lost. So there's just like a little memorial next uh, to him, which is not great, but... Well, <laughs> I mean, that kind of happened uh, to my dad. Did it? But yeah, his ashes are split. Oh. And then I don't know what happened. I know one half went off um, with his partner, and mm. then... The other half, I don't know where they are. That's strange. I know. 
So it's nice that I can like tell people in a different place all the time. Or I can just say that like, oh, I'm just recreating what happened to, uh, <laughs> to Edith Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and also in the later years, which, the, yes, it's relevant this after. Mm-hmm. The, um, after her mum died, she, because she couldn't write because of her arthritis, oh, right. um, she, a friend, Vera Holm, mm-hmm. was, who was known as Jacko, don't know why, yeah. um, she dictated her memoirs to oh. her friend, uh, Vera, yeah. um, who wrote them all down, and they were lost in an attic what? for decades. <laughs> And then they got sold to Anne Racklin Ratchlin, mm-hmm. in 1978. And this is where a lot of the information we now know about her came from. Oh, from those um, mm-hmm. wars? Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was eventually published in 2011 <laughs> called Edie Was a Lady. Because her nickname as a child was Edie. Yeah, because I'm on the uh, Small Heath Heath uh, Museum oh, yeah. website. Um, and it, it keeps saying Edie in it. And I, I've seen somewhere, but I cannot find it since. They call um, her mum Ellen Dame. Oh, yeah, I think she's Dame Ellen, Ter- Ellen yeah. Terry. Yeah, it's a big deal. Which, blimey. No. There was also um, mentioning, sorry, I kind of stepped on your face with this <laughs> no, one. No, no. They, uh, they kind of mentioned um, the library in it, because of course I had to, I got distracted by that bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so her books were originally just kept in piles. <laughs> distributed <laughs> around the house um, and then they had to all be like brought together and put in the library well <laughs> um, final thing mm-hmm. Virginia Woolf is said to use to have used Edith Craig as a model for one of her characters in oh. in her novel Between the Acts mm-hmm. uh, Miss Latrobe oh wow it's based on her yeah oh I know that's really cute mm-hmm <laughs> And that is Edith Craig. Very good. I like that one. I had fun. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. And I mean, you had a lot from when you were working in the iCar archives. So, mm. I was quite that. I mean, most of the archives is like you're searching for something, but you can be searching for so much. And I kept seeing Edith Craig come up a oh. lot. So I'm like, her, she must be significant. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look her up. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Amazing. <laughs> that was why when because uh, when we've like spoken about maybe doing like the, the queer women one and you were like mm-hmm. automatically you were like I think I know how I'm gonna do and I was like oh that's really quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and I, I I did look up as well uh, civil ceremonies because mm-hmm. I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So that actually uh, it says that they've been around since 1855. What? Yeah. Even though it was illegal. Not like for same-sex couples, I can't imagine. Oh. But like a civil ceremony has been around since then. Though oh. you did used to have uh, things such as like a uh, Boston marriage. Which what is that? Um, right. I'm not 100% sure, but <laughs> you know um, that it's like being made into TV and it's like uh, Gentleman Jack. And it's about, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it used to be like a, a wedding that would happen between women. Um, that oh wasn't like a, an actual wedding by today's standards mm-hmm. um, but yeah so uh, it says here a Boston marriage um, was a relationship between two women 
and that uh, involved both physical and emotional intimacy? Mm. I was thinking of Outlander because they are... There's, I, there's a word they use where they say that they're like... I think it's hand fast. So like it's like a mini wedding, mm-hmm. but it's not actually a legal wedding because there's no priest yes. present. Um, but it's still classed as a wedding for a year after. One year? No idea. Do you have to do something after a year? Like... I mean, while her husband-to-be was, this mild spoilers, kidnapped by some Native <gasps> Americans. Wait, I thought it was all set in Scotland. Oh no, it goes across to America. Wow. I know. It goes to France as well. What the hell? I've literally yeah. only watched the first episode of this, so. Yeah. Which, yeah, it goes all over. Yeah. There you go. So no, I like that one. That was a good one. Mm-hmm, thank you. Okay. I reckon you, you're definitely going to have heard of the person that I've done. Because I was, I was really worried that you actually had the same person. Ooh. When um, And when I was halfway through writing this, I was thinking, mm, it you understand the area a bit more Ooh. than I do. But we'll see. So I'm doing um, Frida Kahlo. Oh, I was thinking about... I could do her at one point. I was like, okay. Because I actually, I, I couldn't think, because I was like, oh, trying to think of like women in history, I really couldn't think until, because I have a, obviously the badge on my coat mm-hmm. of um, Frida Kahlo, yeah. and someone then, I think it was like, uh, Chloe had said to me, she was like, oh, are you going to do her? And I was like, that is such an obvious <laughs> choice that I just didn't think of. Um, oh. So yeah, that is who I'm doing. So, mm-hmm. born... On uh, the 6th of July, 1907. She's from Mexico? Yes, Mexico City. Okay. I'm going to get this one out. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to try and um, pronounce her full name. So Ooh. here we go. Her name was uh, Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderon. Wow. I know. So, real name. But that's, uh, I think the way like, Spanish names work is that yeah. you have like... They just keep going. For like two first names, a middle name, and then your parent, both your parents' last names. Yeah. So, mm. but yeah, just I like that she didn't take her husband's name. She kept her own. She kind of. Cause Carlo be, was him. Yeah, but it might be a wild assumption to say I don't think Spanish people do that. Don't they? Because you have your both your parents' names. I feel like that's so. Patriotic. <laughs> what in this country? Oh, yeah, wait, the pat- patriotic's the wrong word, isn't it? Oh, Patriarchy. Pa- yeah. Patriarchies. Patriarchal. Patriarchal. That's it. Um, We're English students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she was born in Mexico City. Uh, and uh, she was born at her pe- uh, family home, which is called La Casa Azul, so the blue house, Ooh. or the blue home. No, the blue house. Maybe both. <laughs> um, her parents were photographer Guillermo uh, Carlo, and her mother was called Matilda uh, Calderon y Gonzalez. So yeah, she had her dad's surname Carlo and her mum's surname Calderon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and her dad was a German migrant, so she was actually like second oh. generation like German migrant and her mum was I have this written somewhere in my notes but I can't find it right now so her mum was I think uh, there's like a specific word for she was half like native mm-hmm. um, Mexican and then half like Spanish oh, okay. uh, 
kind of mm-hmm. ancestry. Yeah. Did you say when she was born? Uh, 1907. Okay, sorry. I missed up. <laughs> sorry. Uh, she had four sisters. Mm-hmm. So two uh, half-sisters from her dad from before. Previous marriage. Previous marriage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were raised in a convent. So I don't know how, actually how much we had to do with them. Uh, and then she had like two full-sisters from her mum and her dad. Mm-hmm. Um she described her childhood as very, very sad. Aww. Yeah. Um, both her parents were like often really sick and they didn't love each other. So Ooh. I can imagine that was not a great no. kind of atmosphere. Uh, and Have you seen oh, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the film? Frida. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and I really miss it because like the last few days you've like mentioned because you mentioned something to do with like Harvey Weinstein, I think. And because mm-hmm. I was reading through the Frida um, oh. like information page on IMDb, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, there's like facts to do with it, but I can't just keep mentioning information <laughs> I know about Frida Kahlo because I kind of realised that I've been research- researching her really recently. Mm-hmm. There was something else you mentioned as well. Oh, actually, I remember what it was, but it comes in later. Ooh, okay. Uh, she she said that her relationship with her mother was tense, um, and her dad her dad's business. Uh, he was a mentioned as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, business suffered during the Russian Revolution um, because he was working for and with the overthrown government. So, in Mexico. In Mexico. For Russia. The Mexican Revolution. Did I say Russian Revolution? You did. Damn it! The Mexican <laughs> Revolution. Well, I'm sure she was involved a little bit with the Russian. Yes, Revolution. she was because she. Was a well, she was a communist, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, not a bad person. Not a bad person. No. Um, when she was six, she got polio, which made her right leg shorter and thinner than the left. I don't know what's about polio, so I don't know how. Is it like no. malnourishment? I have no idea. Aren't we immune though? Because we have the vaccines in school. Yes, if you so. have the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we should get into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because, uh, like, she was she was ill when she was a kid, she was isolated. Uh, oh, yeah. And so then she also got, like, bullied for that. Ooh. The experience made her an introvert um, and also made her her dad's favourite. Mm. Uh, she credited him for making her childhood marvellous and understanding all of her problems. So, like, a really oh. good relationship with yeah. her dad. So, like... Like in, in yours, like how it said, like oh, she was obviously <laughs> into women because of her terrible relationship with her dad. I think this one proves that yes, doesn't necessarily mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, he taught her all about literature and nature and philosophy, and oh. was like used to be insistent that like she was into sports and things like that. Even oh. though at the time it was really frowned upon that like girls yeah. would play sports. That's good. I don't know why, but I always thought of her dad as being like, not I don't I don't want to say capitalist. That's not my word, but like strict and traditional, traditional, traditional. Yeah. Is my word. But yeah. like I didn't know he was a photographer, so it threw me a bit. So like he's like that's like artist kind of I assume yeah. like roots of, of from him, which yeah, yeah, he's not usually you associate it with like being from the mother because like nurturing. Yeah. But, no. uh, she went to school late. Um, and so she actually ended up going to school with her younger sister, oh. uh, who was called uh, Christina. Uh, and that was then, so they went in primary school and she was homeschooled for then fifth and sixth grade. Mm. 
they went to a German school originally, but uh, she was expelled for disobedience, and so she was sent elsewhere. Oh, wow. I know, a right rebel. <laughs> Does it say what she did? It doesn't. I think it said that she was like very outspoken, which makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, that's good. And then she was sent somewhere else, but then had to leave there as well, mm-hmm. because she was sexually abused by uh, one of the female teachers. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, then she tried to be a doctor. Wow. I know. And she did, she was like really, really good at it. Oh. So she was doing very, very well. Um, and while she was like trained to be a doctor, she became really uh, like involved in the, in like Mexican culture. And okay. learned a lot about it. And so also became a political activist and uh, interested in issues on social justice. So basically like what most people go to college mm. and do. Yeah. <laughs> The school uh, promoted uh, a, new, a new Mexican identity, which um, I'm going to completely butcher this word. I think it's called Indigenimo. So it's mm-hmm. like uh, taking like, pride in the indigenous culture rather okay, than just yeah. um, like a colonialist culture, which yeah. it had a lot of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was also part of a, like, a student group which called themselves the Cachuchas. Uh, which uh, a lot of whom uh, were actually like would become like a Mexican elite Um, and they were rebellious uh, kind of uh, tag team uh, dedicated Mm -hmm. to Russian classics Um, and because she was older than everybody else because she'd gone to school so late um, she actually used to just tell people that she was um, born three years after in uh, 1910 <laughs> which was when the Russian Revolution began so she used to oh, call herself okay. a daughter of the Russian Revolution uh, the Rus- I keep saying that I know, the Mexican Revolution <laughs> I keep being like um, she's really like well rounded she knows all about Germany and Russia and, and like no when I say when you said Russian literature was yeah. that right yes that was okay. right. the Russian classics was right the Mexican Revolution though right not okay Revolution. okay uh, she was always into art though uh, which mm-hmm. I assume is to do with her dad. Um, had yeah, like, must be. been so into it as well. Um, and when uh, she was eighteen, so in nineteen twenty-five, she did uh, work outside of school mm-hmm. as a stenographer. Ooh. I was really hoping you would know that what what that was. <laughs> I'm guessing it's something to do with photography. I assume so, but I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it's quite interesting though that she <clears throat> went into into painting. With yeah. her dad being phot- a, ph- a photographer, because like at the start, I like photography sort of took over painting, mm-hmm. and which made painting become more like abstract and yeah modernist and all stuff like that. But I assume that's why, because like obviously her paintings were quite modern and and that's kind true. of abstract. Yeah, that she kind of took that from the fact that photography was still if you know what I mean that it was yeah. what it was but she, she is surrealist yes oh I love this that's, that's what I say this is more your because <laughs> you know more about than I do uh, so in September of 1925 uh, she and her boyfriend Alejandro who was also part of the, the group that she was in called the Cachuchas uh, collided with a streetcar so they were on a bus and a streetcar collided oh, with yeah. them I remember when I saw that in the film I didn't know that happened you so it threw me I was like did she die? Like, did she do all of this before? Before she was 18. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, this is a short film. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, and then because of it, yeah, uh, her ribs, her legs, and her collarbone were fractured. Uh, one of the iron handrails also went through her pelvis. Oh. Yeah. There's some like um, I think later on people wrote that it went through her vagina, and like loads of people were like, "That's not true." No. So it was her pelvis. Does that mean she, she couldn't have kids? Or no, she could. Did she? Well, she didn't. No. Which I will come to. Okay. But she could get pregnant. Interesting. Mm. Uh, she spent a month in hospital and uh, two months then at home recovering from this. Mm. Um, and like after having recovered, in quotes, she mm-hmm. um, was still in pain. So they went back to the hospital and they found out actually she had three displaced vertebrae. Oh. Which I don't know how they missed the first time. Um, I mean, they weren't as technically advanced. <laughs> no, I suppose it was just like, oh, it's really obvious that these things are broken, so yeah. we'll fix those. But yeah, she had three displaced uh, vertebrae, which means she had to wear a plaster corset. Oh, yeah. Some of her paintings are like, yes. about it, aren't they? Because she, uh, she had to be in bed for three months uh, whilst yeah. they, like, um, healed. Um, and so her bed, she had it specifically, like an easel specifically made so that she could paint in bed and oh, a mirror yeah. above her bed so oh, that she wow. could see herself. That's quite cool. But uh, that obviously ended her dreams of being a doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, because. What a different world that would have been. I know. Cause I, I, they're quite. I mean, a doctor is very like cut and dry. I mean, there yeah. is an area of like creativity to it and things like that, but. It's more, you see it as more like straight cut. It's yeah. just like, this is the process. You do it like that. And, and like. Art's obviously just like, you can kind of do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. So. Did you see in, um, oh, you haven't seen Velvet Buster, have you? Not yet, no. There's like a Minus. bit in it where there's like some uh, rubbish bags on the floor. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's John Malkovich's character. No, he's, he's the artist. And then the other guy is like, oh my, it's magnificent. And he's oh, like, it's just, it's like, it's just trash. Oh. <laughs> and I found it kind of funny. And my dad was like, yeah, it's a critique of modern art. And I'm like, hmm. Well, they, they did really recently, this guy, um, I think it was on Twitter, I saw it, that he'd put his glasses on the floor and then just like stepped back and was looking at them. And like loads of people around were like stood around looking at his <laughs> like glasses on the floor. I'm like, oh, look at this piece. Nice. So after the accident, she said that she found herself again. Um, And during this time, her paintings were mainly of herself, her sisters, and her school friends. Mm -hmm. So in 1927, she was out of bed, Mm -hmm. doing back at uni. Um, It doesn't say what she was studying, though, which would have been... I mean, actually, I don't know how, like, Mexican universities work. Yeah. So there might have just been, like, a broad university education. But if she like no longer had dreams of being a doctor, then I wonder mm. what she was like focusing on. I know the film is probably not going to be accurate in every sense of <laughs> her life, but um, I remember in the film she like takes her paintings to. I don't know if it's an artist at the university mm-hmm. or just an artist in general, mm-hmm. but she, I remember her doing that. I mean, I think I you can know. take art classes like if so. Because I know, like, in, a, in an American yeah. um, system, you, like, you take a lot of different subjects and then you major in one, so I assume it was like that. Mm. So she took art, art there. And met her husband? 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's literally the next sentence. She joined the Mexican Communist Party and there met Diego Rivera. Nice. He was a famous Mexican artist um, and um, party member at the time. Uh, he was instantly impressed by her works and they began a relationship. Uh, no, like, she was 20 years older than her and had been Ooh. married twice. Yeah. Uh, they had a civil ceremony in uh, we just don't learn about other countries I know but like, I think it's the same in a lot of countries as well though that they only sort of learn about their own country mm-hmm. and then like obviously major stuff like American independence and all that but I mean there's a lot of history to learn but it's just an issue yeah, yeah you hope that there'd be a broad scope um, yeah yeah the, the Mexican uh, revolution uh, also known as the Mexican Civil War uh, lasted from 1910 to 1920 oh, wow. and radically transformed Mexican culture and government. So, mm. A little brief of what um, this is on Google. <laughs> um, she, she started uh, drawing, taking her inspiration from Mexican folk art oh. um, and like many Mexican artists and intellectuals at the time she began wearing traditional indigenous Mexican peasant clothing. I'm going to pronounce all of these words wrong. <laughs> so, she used to wear lots of colourful skirts. I think it's pronounced hip heels? No, I yeah. Um, which were like these like tops. Um, mm-hmm. I looked up some pictures, but I realised that like, won't help. Uh, <laughs> she, looked up, uh, she was wearing like tops, basically. Um, and rebezos, which were like ponchos, effectively. Um, oh, I like them. <laughs> and uh, a lot of elaborate uh, headdresses. And she like wore lots of masses of jewellery. Okay. She said this allowed her to ex- express her feminist and anti-colonialist ideals, um, which covered the signs of polio and surgery, and also oh. appealed to Rivera. So win, 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 win. Really? Yeah. 
Uh, and then in, 19, in the 1930s, they then moved to San Francisco in America. Yes. So that did go for paying murals for open schools. Carlo was introduced to many American artists uh, and likely began her affair with Nicholas Murray at the time. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yeah, she, it was like a lasting thing that she like was seeing oh. him, even when she was... Wait, did they have like a polyamorous kind of relationship? I don't think so. But they just cheated on each Oh, other. both of them cheated on one another like a, a hell of a lot. And like they both knew that the other cheated on them <laughs> It's sort of like of polyamory, but not explicitly. Yeah, like an open relationship, but I don't yes. think they were happy about it. No. Which... Is it, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, at least they both cheat on each other, it's fair. Yes, yeah. Uh, she was painting loads and furthering, further, uh, further developing her style um, and uh, also participated in an exhibition that was called Ooh. the Frida and Diego Rivera. Nice. So, just took away her surname. Oh, and interestingly, I don't know if I actually uh, put this in my notes, but... Uh, so her name when she was born was spelt differently. Oh. So it was spelt with an E after the I. So Frida, but like oh, just yeah. not differently. But she Frida. Frida, yeah. <laughs> she took out the E because um, she really heavily associated it with um, German spellings. And um, obviously, at the, the, the time, like Germany was obviously like the first and second world wars, which were yeah, which were coming up. Um, yeah, she lived in both world wars. I know. Crazy. And the Mexican Revolution. Yep. Yeah. And the Russian Revolution. Revolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a lifetime. I know. Um, so publicly, she presented herself as just Diego's wife. Hmm, that's quite sad. No. Uh, when they returned to Mexico in the summer of 1931, so they weren't there for very long, they were only there for like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, so they returned for the summer and then in the fall, autumn, they then uh, went to New York for an opening of uh, Rivera's retrospective in the MoMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 1932, they went to Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. where he was then painting more murals uh, for the Institute of Art. And then Carla at this time was now interacting with the press more and even like publicly stating that she was the better artist <laughs> of the two of them, which... Go for it, honestly. Know, yeah. <laughs> uh, she said she disliked US society though, because she found it like really capitalistic and she mm. found Americans really boring. And so if this is like the thirties, like Yeah. It was massively capitalistic at the time. I know. And that's just like after the post uh, like the depression yeah. time as well. So I suppose a lot of like, a lot of money tension in, yes. in America at the time. Uh she got angry uh, because there were hotels that refused Jewish guests, um, and she was also pregnant at this time. Oh. So uh, she went to her doctor, and uh, he agreed to perform an abortion, okay. but it w- didn't work. Oh. So she was like, "I guess I'll just." I don't think she ever like wanted kids. If you know what I mean, I think she was yeah. just, like, very ambivalent towards it. So she decided to continue with the pregnancy because the abortion hadn't worked, but then miscarried anyway oh, okay. in July um, but that caused a hemorrhage and so she was hospital 
hospitalised, and then three months later, her mother died. So there's a lot going on at like this period of time. So it's not kind of uh, a surprise. She really hated that period. Um, yes. So she hated Detroit, um, but she did say that it was greatly beneficial for her art because she gained narrative. Um, okay. I mean, at least she got something. I know, she deserves something. <laughs> <laughs> um, they then moved back to New York uh, mm-hmm. in 1933. So he had to do another painting, but he also got fired from doing that painting Goodness. because he painted... Um, oh, I heard about this. Did you, have you heard this? He painted Lennon in it? Yes, he did. Um, and then refused to change it. So, And so he wanted to stay in the US, but um, Frida wanted to move home. So she was like, I'm moving home, so they, they moved back to Mexico. Uh, she, didn't make, she didn't do any new paintings um, in 1934, and only did two in 1935. So, oh well. She had an appendectomy, uh, uh, two abortions, and toes amputated in that time as well. Just for fun? No. <laughs> yeah, all of it because she was like, for shits and gigs. No, um, so the toes amputated because she had gangrene. Oh. Uh, and you know how I said that a few nights ago, because I've been researching this, and mm-hmm. then I had a really like terrible night's sleep, and I woke up in like a fit of panic. Oh, and it, yeah. was, it was for Frida Kahlo, for some reason I woke up in a fit of panic <laughs> that she was about to get her toes amputated. Oh, no. And then I was like, I don't need to panic, it happened, it happened in 1935, like, <laughs> it's fine now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Diego was also not happy at the time uh, because they'd moved back to Mexico and he didn't want to and so he like blamed uh, Frida for this um, and he was now sleeping with her younger sister so he was sleeping with Christina yes Did, you know the house they have in the film yeah is that a, was that real do you know because uh, the... it had like a, a bridge that conjoined the two houses that's later okay yeah sorry spoilers that's right um <laughs> That caused uh, Carlo to move out um, from living mm-hmm. with him and uh, had an affair with uh, a, a Mexican, a, an American artist. Um, a lot of names of artists are mentioned in like the mm-hmm. researching of this, but I don't know a lot about artists. Okay. So I didn't put any names in okay. because I didn't know them. So, but you're probably thinking, God damn it, because you would have known who they were. Um, I mean, I kind of want to know now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's all on that Wikipedia, it's fun. Uh, later in the year, however, she did uh, re- uh, reconcile with both Christina Rivera and then moved back into... So the house was called um, San... It says Angel, but I assume it's not pronounced Angel. I suppose it's not like Angel or something like that. Mm. Uh, which is, was like this massive, expensive house um, that they both had. And she then moved um, back into there. I don't think she... Like, she and Diego, like, were as close then. I think they just kind of lived together mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and uh, she became a loving aunt to Christina's children. Oh. Uh, she joined uh, fourth international... Were they Diego's children? It didn't say. Oh, okay. I did wonder. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Because I, that all happened in, like, the space of a year. But her kids... But uh, Christina had two kids. And um, they were okay. quite older, so I don't think so. I think they must have been from her actual partner. Um, are you looking up who these artists are? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she joined. Oh, Trotsky. Oh, I'm about to get to that. Sorry. Don't, don't mean it. 
She also joined the 4th International, providing aid to uh, Republicans at the Spanish Civil War, and she, Rivera, also gave Trotsky and his wife asylum in 1939. And she and Trotsky had an affair. Amazing. Uh, I've just been other... reading Trotsky. Yeah, and that's the other thing, because you've been reading uh, Trotsky recently. Yeah. But I've been so dying to tell you, <laughs> he had an affair with Frida Kahlo. <laughs> um, oh, he just gets better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, between 1937 and 1938, she painted more than all of her eight years in, oh, of wow. marriage. Uh, she also made her first significant sale, uh, so she sold to a collector who bought four of her paintings for $200 each. And I don't know... But they're millions now. Well, that's the thing. I don't know... Because obviously this was... So 1938, mm. so money was different anyway. Not only that, but... Uh, it was that Mexican dollars, so I don't know if that would have made a difference. Um, and also, like, $200. I know, that's it's not a lot of money, I don't think, for that. Can you either. imagine buying it for $200? I know. You can, like, you could do that today-ish, but, like... It wouldn't be, like, her most... No, I mean, like, early artists starting yes. out. But then it's, like, you never know if they're going to hit the big spot. Yeah. Because there's, uh, there's an art gallery um, near where I live in Nottingham um, oh. where they have like early artists come in and do Ooh. their work. And like looking at the price, I'm like, God, that's a lot of work, a lot of money. But then I'm like, actually, if they're like b- getting big, then it's yeah. actually like nothing in comparison mm. to how much art goes for. I know. Which is ridiculous. Odd. Yeah. Did you get to the bit in 10.04 where? The, the book by Ben Lerner. Yeah. For the <laughs> um, so it's your resources. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a bit in it where it's about art that's been damaged and is no longer, like, insurable, so it, it's not worth anything anymore. So it's, like, these really famous artists have painted the stuff, but they're, like, water-damaged or, like, ripped a bit or something. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he then creates a like gallery of mm-hmm. like damaged Damage. art, which I, f- I find really interesting. I think it's so sad because art is, I mean, already it's like you don't know what's good, what's not good. It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. critics judge it and things like that. But it's like it's just a little bit of water damage, if you know what I mean. To destroy that. I art. know. But I suppose that goes for anything, really. It's like yeah. just a little bit of something. I know. But, like, maybe that affects how famous works get. Like, if that happened to, say, like, uh, Starry Night. Yeah. And would it be what it is now? No. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that's stuff. No. Um, then in October, she went back to New York on her own. Um, and she caused quite a spectacle with uh, like how she presented herself and how she dressed. Oh. Um, she received, you know, some reviews. Not all of them good. Uh, some of them good, not all of them. Some called them just little Frida's paintings, um, and called her an unsentimental child. Oh, I know, harsh words. Uh, she she painted very little at this time, but she said she enjoyed the city. Oh, it also. She's in an exhibition which. Um, oh. I don't know if I missed something. She says an exhibition that was attended by George O'Keefe. I 
Oh, we can do an episode. Okay. <laughs> Um, in 1939, she moved to Paris. Uh, she had, like, I think she met somebody who'd promised that she'd be able to exhibit her work in Paris. Andre Breton. Yes. Which is the founder of the Surrealist. Oh. Yeah. Ah, yes, him. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she got to Paris, the gallery had closed. Oh. And so she wasn't actually able to do it. So she kind of, not gone on a wasted trip, but gone on a little bit of a wasted trip. But there were there were other galleries um, that were like willing to show her artwork. Not all of it though, because uh, they said that a lot of her artwork was inappropriate, um, and she also wasn't happy because uh, they put her art next to Bravo. Oh, I don't know much about that. Um, and she didn't like his work. She said it was like oh, okay. rubbish, basically, <laughs> like actual physical like. Oh. Sign. I think he was a sculptor. Oh, let me Google. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you spell it? B R A V O. Yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Unless I've miscopied it. Yeah, it's just. Bizarre and abstract. A little bit. I mean, some of it's just random pictures of people. Cool, okay. Uh, maybe. They're all just like paper bags. Yeah, I understand why she wasn't happy then about her artwork being like next to his. Yeah, have you ever seen a Frida Kahlo painting? Not in person. Me neither. I've seen a Diego Robert. Have you? Yeah, it's one in uh, the Leeds Art Gallery. I've never been to the Leeds Art Gallery. No, Uh, but I was kind of disappointed. Oh, okay. Because it was just it was just all dark, very dark colours. Yeah. I know. I wanted it to be better. Yeah. Oh. But I'm guessing because it's not a major gallery, they don't yeah, get major, major paintings. So but they did have um, what was it like last year? I think in the summer at the V&A, they had the oh yeah the Vienna exhibit uh, exhibition. Yeah, I really wanted to go and I couldn't make it. I tried to convince someone to be like, "Mom, let me go down to London and just see." And she's like, "No, I'm like, okay." <laughs> I went to London for a Botticelli uh, exhibition oh once. That was fun. It was like Botticelli reimagined. It's very good. Yeah. Um, she didn't actually make a lot from that exhibition. Um, mainly because of, like the Louis Wall, no one was really like wanted to buy oh, fair art. Um, and so because she didn't do very well, she cancelled her exhibition in London. The Louvre did buy her painting, The Frame, um, and it was uh, it made her the first uh, Mexican artist to be featured in the Louvre. Oh wow. Uh, I was thinking um, about her paintings being inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Is that because it showed? Because is she naked in some? I think so. Yeah. Because if that's the inappropriate bit, or oh, some of them are quite graphic, gory. Yeah. Then that might have been. Could have been. Yeah, I don't want to make well. a big statement. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Just inappropriate is what it said. Okay. Uh, she did receive a lot of praise though from Picasso and mm. um, Miro. Miro. Mm. Oh, it's about M I R O. No. Okay. Um, and was asked to design a dress in Vogue Paris. Ooh. I don't know. Uh, but overall, she didn't like Parisians. 
Of course. <laughs> uh, she went back to New York and broke up with Murray because uh, I think he'd been having another affair with somebody else as well and they decided to marry that person. So Carlo went back to Mexico and um, divorced Rivera. He asked her to divorce her, but I think like they were both fine. Okay, fair enough. Was this 39? Yes, okay. yes it was. Uh, they were friendly about it though, and he even continued, and she even continued to manage his finances. So I think that's when, like, they would have had a separation because they yeah. weren't together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they still lived in the same house, or like it was a magic house. So I think it's yeah. Was that the one with the the bridge? The bridge, yeah, I think so. Because it was kind of like the two separate houses, but it just conjoined yeah. with this bridge, which makes sense. Quite nice. Yeah. But then also, like, but he could just wander over. Or she could just wander over and see stuff she doesn't want to see. <laughs> um, and then, not long after, she did move back home mm-hmm. uh, in, in 1940 and painted some of her most famous pieces during the time. Which uh, So she painted the two Friedas. Um. Yeah. Uh, self-portrait with cropped hair. Mm. The wounded table. The self- and the self-portrait with a thorn necklace and a hummingbird. She painted all those. Oh. Uh, and then Trotsky was killed. Oh no. Spoiler. Oh. Um, and Carla was actually arrested for it. Oh, because why? she knew the person who'd uh, done it. Oh. So she was arrested for like cons- conspiring with that person. Oh. So she and her sister were uh, yeah, in prison for like two days. Wow. I know. Uh, and then she moved to San Fran again for medical treatment. Okay. Um, Rivera was also in San Francisco because he'd fled Mexico City following Trotsky's murder. Um, and then whilst there, she and Rivera reconciled and they remarried in um, 1940. So how long does that say that they were then separate? Is that like eight years? <laughs> One year. 89? Oh, no, 39? Not, uh, not married for. Oh. So if they... Oh, wait, yeah, no. Yeah, because... They divorced in, in 39 and got married like, again. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Can you imagine, like, having to keep track of it? Just being like, what? Wait, what? Did, did we miss anything? Uh, they returned to Mexico soon after their wedding, um, and their union was less turbulent um, than before. That's good. Yeah, I think because... Ah, so they were both kind of living independently. Uh, so okay. they lived together, but were independent. Yeah, it's probably... Um, and so, and uh, her childhood home, at Casa Azul, was, like, their, plan, their primary form uh, place of residence. Um, though Rivera also like stayed in the other house uh, to use okay. the studio and things, uh, and they both continued to have their like extramarital affairs. I feel like I haven't of said course. anything about uh, like the fact she uh, like slept with women, but it's like it wasn't really yeah. like a thing if you know what I mean. It just mm. was a thing that happened, and they were both yeah. like I think I think the fact she was having affairs with anybody was the thing mm-hmm. rather than about who it was with so mm. not really touched upon it was quite sad I mean, maybe it's because she didn't have long term relationships with them yes I think she just like slept with them I don't think it was like emotionally still yeah uh, should we see no Despite uh, medical treatment that she had received in San Francisco, her health uh, problems continued through the 40s. She got had, um, because of spinal problems, she had to wear 28 separate supportive corsets. Oh, wow. I know, made out of, I think it said, 
uh, rounded like plaster and metal and Ooh. yeah it did not sound nice uh, she experienced um, pain in her legs an infection in her hand uh, and was also being treated for syphilis and then um, her father died in 1941 and that like plunged her into a depression um, and then because she was ill uh, she basically just became confined to her house yeah so uh, her artwork gained uh, mass appreciation over Mexico and she became one of the founding members of oh god Seminario de Cultura Mexico Mm. Okay. Um, I, there's something of Mexican culture, but I cannot uh, work out what the first word would be. Uh, <laughs> a group of twenty, which was a group of twenty-five artists, um, who commissioned, wait, commissioned by the Ministry of Public Education in 1942 to spread public knowledge of Mexican culture. So, like a group of people who were trying to mm-hmm. spread the knowledge. Uh, she accepted a teaching position. In 1943, um, and uh, then yeah, so four of her students referred to themselves as Los Fridos, um, and Frida, uh, Frida secured three murals for her and her students to do in oh. 1944 and 1945. Oh, this is kind of like notes I've just got now. I'm <laughs> like reading off. Uh, she struggled to make a living from her art. Um, until the mid 1940s, uh, but she ref- refused to like change her style or do what the clients were asking mm. her to do, which I think is one of the reasons why she, she didn't manage to live off it for until quite late. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean is bad business, but yes. like I know artistic integrity and stuff like that. I mean, it makes sense if someone's like, I want you to paint this, and you're like, but I'm, I'm, I'm an artist, I have to paint what I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, she received. Uh, she had to do two. Had to do. Uh, she received two commissions um, from the Mexican government. Uh, she didn't complete the first one because she didn't like the subject. Oh. Um, and the second was rejected by the commissioning body. Oh. Uh, but she had uh, regular private clients. Um, so like she had money coming in. I suppose uh, her financial situation improved when she received. Uh, 5,000 peso national prize for her painting Moses. Ooh. Uh, she gained walking recognition in her home country and her health continued to decline uh, to the point where in I think this is somewhere in the 1940, late 1940s uh, she like could no longer sit or stand for a long time. Is that when she was confined to a bed? Yeah. She had an operation to try and help her back, but it didn't work. Oh. Um, and this is to get to the point where it's mainly just copy and paste. So <laughs> um, she spent most of uh, 1950 uh, in a hospital in Mexico City, um, but that also didn't work very well. And she ended up having uh, an infection and a lot of like several follow-up surgeries oh, from yeah. this. And then after being discharged, she just stayed at home and used a wheelchair um, to get around. And then in the final years of her life, uh, she became dedicated again to the political causes, what she could if what help, mm-hmm. uh, allowed her to. So she rejoined the Mexican Communist Party, uh, campaigned for peace. Um, 
And she painted a lot of um, still lifes featuring fruit and flowers and political symbols in them. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I something that I wanted <laughs> to tell you. Um, yeah, in 1953, her right leg had to be amputated. Oh, wow. Uh, and like her dependency upon painkillers escalated. Uh, Rivera also then had another affair, and so she attempted suicide. Uh, and then in her last days, she was bedridden. That she did make in a public appearance in 1954 uh, to in a demonstration against the CIA invasion of Guatemala. Oh. Uh, I think that was like the last time she was then seen in public. Oh. Um, and then in 1954, uh, she died in her sleep. Well, she died in her sleep, uh, and the like official cause was a pulmonary embolism. Uh, no autopsy was performed okay. and many people think it was an overdose because at the time she like, had been writing a lot about her death uh, oh, okay. and things like that and um, so she like, the painkillers were counted and like monitored and things like that and she mm. took an overdose that so wouldn't have been an accident so oh, okay. um, so yeah so then in uh, so that was July the the 13th in early hours of the morning and in the evening a body was taken um, to Placido de Bella's uh, Arte, Artes? Arts? Uh, <laughs> where it lay under uh, in state under a communist flag and the following day um, her, she had like an informal funeral that was attended by friends and family and hundreds of admirers stood outside Aww. Yeah. in accordance with her wishes she was cremated and her ashes um, are displayed in a pre-Columbian urn at uh, La Casa Azul, which is her uh, family home, which is where it opened as a museum oh, in nice. 1958. Oh, um, I want to go. Let's go. <laughs> honestly, I, oh, it's such, it looks amazing, and that is like the official Frida Kahlo Museum, because that's where she is, yeah. like, born mm-hmm. and Is it died. in New Mexico? Uh, Not New Mexico. Me- Mexico, Mexico City. City. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Like, New Mexico's in America. Um, <laughs> yeah, in Mexico City. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, it's, it's a lot about like what uh, it's uh, she used a lot in her work. So there was a lot about American like folk art and things mm-hmm. like that which were used, and then she used a lot of um, the image of this figure called I don't know if I think it's uh, La Imora. Um, no. Look it it's a it's a, also a famous song in uh, America that I, in America in Mexico that I have a story about. Ooh. Which I will in a second. I can't find it. Uh, but basically, it's a famous song, um, and in the Frida film, so mm-hmm. there's a scene um, where a woman is, is singing this song, and it's uh, oh, yeah. it's quite passionate, and Frida's like imagining her artwork that mm-hmm. um, so the woman so that's a very very famous song about um a figure in um mexican folklore that okay. frida used to like uh use a lot in her artwork and then the woman Ooh. who was singing it was actually somebody that frida had an affair with oh, in the film nice. yeah it's really really cool um so yeah and that's basically most about it uh, she's regarded as one of the most significant artists of the 20th century by the tate modern Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the most important figures of the 20th, 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 20th. Yeah, it's basically the same thing again. Um, 
by Elizabeth uh, Bakewell. Loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads. Yeah, so there's, uh, the uh, home has been turned into a museum, and it's one of the most popular museums in Mexico City, where it has uh, 25,000 visitors monthly. Wow. Uh, the, the city also has a park dedicated to her, uh, and features a statue of her. Um, and in the United States, she was the first Hispanic woman to be honoured on a postage stamp in 2001. Uh-huh. Uh, and she uh, was included in the Legacy Walk, an outdoor public display in Chicago that celebrates the LGBT history of people. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. Mm. So that's that. I feel like a lot of that was kind of, because a lot of it's still in note form, um, because I haven't gone through it all. Oh, and then it mentions obviously about uh, the film uh, Freedom that was released, which won uh, six Academy Award nominations and won for Best Makeup and Original Score. And then of course she was featured in one of my favourite films, Coco, <laughs> in 2017. Um, oh yeah, she was. When I saw, because when because I went to go watch it with my sister, I felt that my sister kind of knew who she was at the oh, time. Yeah. And so I was there, I was like, and then um, it was, and then I was like, yep. So, yeah. Mm. So that's Frida Kahlo. Summed mm. up. There's a lot more, obviously, about what she did and who she was things, but that's kind of the big. Phil, you covered all of them. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like that was a long time, but. I mean, it was, I think, a long, a long episode, but. Yeah, how long is it? How long, We're on a 120. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for watching. Yeah, listening. Watching. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, and I don't know if we got a theme for next time. Ooh, we haven't decided. We haven't decided, but we'll be deciding that then. Yes. Sure. And uh, email us if you yeah. want. Email us uh, on the email, which is hermomentinhistory uh, at gmail dot com. Yeah. Uh, or find us on Instagram, Instagram which is also hermomentinhistory. Yep. Okay. And you'll find a lovely picture of a skeleton. A skeleton, which has been watching us this entire episode in the corner. Yes. Uh, I put it in a very sassy We should have called the Frida. We should have called her Frida. We, 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 we didn't know then. We, yeah, we, yeah, no, I didn't know that that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. I put her in a very sassy pose with her hands on her hips, so I think she's been watching me for us. Yep. So. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yes, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.